This year at Northside, we have been learning about grace. We've been learning about it from here. Hopefully, we've been practicing it here. As we go along uh, today, uh, I want to give you a final word on grace. Not the final word on grace, but as we have talked about and learned about and had opportunities to practice and overflow with grace this past year, to, to understand what God's grace truly means in our lives eternally, but also what God's grace means in our lives in an everyday sense, in a practical sense, uh, is very, very important. Uh, today, we're going to talk to you from the book. I know you don't have any handout this morning to follow along, and that's probably good for us, especially with today's message. I hope you'll turn with me uh, to the back of the book as we go to Revelation chapter 22 today, we're going to take a look at the last few words in the Word. If you weren't aware, Wichita is getting a new ball stadium. Uh, the great growing metropolis that Wichita is, uh, our city forefathers fathers decided that it would be a good thing to tear down Big Daddy Dumont and uh, completely demolish it. And construct in its place a brand new ball stadium. Uh, the new one is supposed to be done in March of 2020. It will hold, I'm told, about 11,000 people. And along with the new stadium uh, comes a new ball team, AAA ball team. And uh, that's very exciting. Of course, there will be just a, a teensy, tiny, bare minimum of, of expense to John Q. taxpayer, but... Uh, uh, they've assured us that that will be stewarded well, about $80 million or so. What's interesting to me about uh, this whole process, something I, I don't know if this happens with all new stadiums that are constructed, but I learned a few weeks ago that the construction of this entire stadium is centered around one thing. And it's all, it's all kind of waiting to get the exact, precise point uh, upon, around which everything else would center. Does anyone know what, the, what that point is? Home plate. Exactly right. Home plate is once they figure out exactly where that point is, then everything else, all the walls, all the seating, all the lighting, everything measures from that center point. It's kind of interesting to me because, you know, home plate's not that big uh, a piece of real estate. But, but that point is the center. It's the, the, the beginning. It's the, the, the hub of, of all of this huge uh, stadium and, and everything surrounding it. And they may even close off some of McLean and all of that. And it all starts from there. This morning we are talking about the... The hub of the wheel. I realize we're at the end of the book, but, but what we've been talking about all year is the home plate. What we're, what we're going to today is home plate. As John takes us back there, we're going to, to focus as we finish out 2018 on our spiritual home plate. The point around which everything should center. Now, you think about this, the book of Revelation as we read it, is the end of the book, but it wasn't really the end of their book. It was a vision that John wrote down while imprisoned on the island of Patmos. 
Uh, Christians in that whole area of Asia Minor were, were undergoing great persecution. And Jesus received, uh, John received a message from Jesus of, of these messages, these things that he wanted each and every church to know. Uh, despite all the persecutions, despite what would come from the emperor, despite that some Christians would even face death, uh, he wanted them to know these things. And so John writes down this vision, and of course much of it uh, highly symbolic and, and lots of visual metaphors, and so it confuses a lot of people. But John, as he writes this down, brings us to spiritual home plate. And he describes a vision of heaven. And as he describes that vision of heaven, he shares three things that I want us to look at this morning as we close out the year of 2018. We're going to be in verse 6 of Revelation chapter 22. Verse 6, and John is here now in picturing heaven, the angel of life, there's uh, shows him the water of life that's as clear as crystal, the throne of God uh, down the middle of the street of the city. On each side of the river stood, uh, stands the tree of life bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding fruit every month. This beautiful, powerful image we have of what heaven must look like in part. The throne of God and the Lamb will be in the city and his servants will serve him And they will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the the light of a lamp or the light of the sun or the Lord. For the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever and ever. And verse 6 is what we come to this morning. He says this. The angel said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. The Lord God, the God of the spirits of the prophets, sent his angel to show his servants the things that must soon take place. Uh, Just a little side note here. When you get to the book of Revelation, lots of people start to predict the future, and they say current news events, here's where that is in the book of Revelation. They they forget Revelation 22.6. It was applied to things that were shortly to come to pass. It's Lots of it applied to what those first century Christians experienced. But the the main point is, is that... These words are trustworthy and true. Verse 7, from Jesus himself. Behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy in this book. I want you to jump down. Jesus is continuing to to speak, but uh, I want to go to the verse 18 of chapter 22. Because John puts his own little notation here as Jesus is speaking. He says, I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds anything to them, God will add to him the plagues described in the book. And if anyone takes these words away from this book of prophecy, God will take away from him his share in the tree of life and the holy city which are described in this book. Uh, our decision to follow Jesus comes down to one crucial thing as we, we first jump into John's closing message here. First is, do we believe these words are trustworthy and true? Are, are you willing to base your life? Are you willing to bank your eternity on these words being trustworthy and true? 
There, there, are, there are many who will try to add to. And we know some religions that they have their own books and they have their own creeds and, and they add to subtly, but they add to the things which God said. And that's dangerous. We know there are groups of people who will who will claim that they, they love the word of God, but they they conveniently jump over and never preach from and never teach from certain passages within the book. Uh, they do it very subtly, mind you, but they take the words out because they don't consider those words to be trustworthy and true. But but I, I want to make it more personal this morning when I ask you, do you believe that these words are trustworthy and true? Are you are you, are you willing to base every decision that you make in your life based on these words, not, not on politics, not, not on culture, not on social media, but what, on what God's word says is true. And are you willing to trust Jesus enough to keep the words of the book, not adding to, not taking away from? Yes, there are all scriptures in here that we are very comfortable with. Things as sins that we don't really struggle with, but but those, those and those words are trustworthy and true. But there are scriptures in here that step on our toes that you don't like when the preacher talks about that, that you don't enjoy hearing. Uh, do you consider those words equally as trustworthy and true? Uh, if you'll oblige me for just a minute, take put your own Bible aside for just a moment and. And take a Bible from the pew in front of you. I, I know not everyone will be able to do that. But, but if you're the person who's sitting close enough to grab one, I would encourage you to do so. Uh, I want you to, to hold up those Bibles when you, when you have it in your hand. Hold it up, please. You see... The Word of God is what God wants us to make our decisions on, personally and collectively. What we do in our individual lives and what we do at Northside should be based on the words of the book. We should be not only practicing the words of the book, but sharing the words of the book and, and, and sharing the story of Jesus with other people. So this morning, I want to challenge you, if you, you're up to the challenge, if, if you'd like to, I want you, next year we're going to be talking about, well, I'll share the theme with you next year, but we're going to talk about, about being 100% into the words of the book. Is there someone in your life that doesn't know Jesus? Is there someone in your life that needs to know Jesus? Someone you talk to every day or message on social media, somebody maybe that you chat with across the fence, and you think to yourself, you know, I'm pretty sure they're not ready for eternity. I'd like to introduce them to the author of this book. Uh, this morning, I want to encourage you, you can take one of our Bibles this morning. Uh, maybe to give to them, to say, hey, if, if you'd like to, I'd like to study with you. I'd like to talk to you about the author of this book. Maybe to put in your home as a reminder that there is a conversation that you need to have. And maybe just to be reminded yourself to live according to the words of the book. Now, how many of you will take me up on that? I don't know. Uh, the truth is we're getting ready to switch out the Bibles next Sunday. So, uh, well, this would be a good opportunity to... Work something in like that. But I hope that in addition to having a Bible, that more importantly, you choose to live by the Bible. 
That you choose to make God's word the cornerstone of your life and your heart. And, and that sounds good. You would expect the preacher to say that. But you would be surprised, especially in our world, how difficult a simple thing like truth really is. When I was considering the call to preach and whether or not that was for me and if I wanted to do that and if that was the right thing, if God was leading me toward that, one of the things that I always thought was, man, I, I don't know how, 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 how in the world, if I, cause I, if I, if I do this for, for a, a career, if I do this for a, a, a good length of time, how will I come up with some new creative way to say different things every week? That, that's, that's a huge challenge. But increasingly, God has put it on my heart that today's world doesn't need a whole lot of new. What our world needs is a whole lot of true. And sometimes just simply saying what is true. Uh, who would have thought we've ever come to a time when Genesis chapter 2, God created the male and female would be such a controversial statement. But we need the truth. We need to know it. We need to live by it. May we do what John said. May we do as Jesus warned and not add to or take away from. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Now, this is where it gets a little very personal. Because he's speaking to us. Uh, Verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. You see, I, I... thought maybe perhaps we could get a couple of the ushers to stand at each door and just ask people as they came through, do you believe that Jesus is Lord? Do you believe that you just ask that again and again and again and only let the people in who believe that Jesus is Lord? My guess is we'd have about the same crowd size because for people coming to church and taking the time out of their schedule to come and to worship God and to study God's word, I would assume That most of those people believe that Jesus is Lord and trust his words. But Jesus, Jesus didn't stop there. He says this, only he who does the will of my father in heaven. See, it's not just about saying, oh, I know that. Oh, we were taught that in Bible school. Oh, we were taught that. My my teacher taught me that. Oh, I I learned that in Bible class. Oh, I read that this morning in my devotional. I Oh, yes, Lord. It's not about calling him Lord. It's not just about reading his word. It's about doing his will and living under his lordship and doing what he told us to do. Turn to James chapter 1, verse 22. The scripture says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Now, you all can hear me this morning because of this microphone right here. And you, some of you will be listening online. Hello. And some of you will be listening to the podcast. And that's great. We provide many ways for you to listen to the word. But Jane says, listen, don't stop there. Don't just hear God's word. Make sure you do God's word. That's where it matters the most. So may we keep the words. May we not add to the words. May we not take away from the words and that's not just for true, as us, true for us as a church, but it may, must be true for us as people, as followers of Jesus. You see, there are many people that love 
First Corinthians chapter 13. That love is patient. Love is kind. Love keeps no record of wrongs. How beautiful and powerful it is. And yet, the same book written by the same author, inspired by the same spirit, inspired by the same God, wrote 1 Corinthians chapter 6, which is addresses sexual immorality. And, and not so many people are as in favor of 1 Corinthians chapter 6. You see, the, you see the danger? That we can pick, cherry pick the verses we like and leave out the verses we don't. We must decide for ourselves that the word is trustworthy and true, that all the words are worthy of keeping. I was trying to think of an example. Some people treat God's word kind of like Chipotle. I know you, that's not my restaurant of, of, of illustration, but they don't really do this where I go. So there's these other restaurants. Apparently you can go and get in line. And you say, uh, they say, welcome to Chipotle. What would you like to eat? And they say, well, yeah, I think I, think I like the soft tacos, or I think I like the, 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 the crunchy tacos, or I think I like the burrito bowl. Or, you know, you've got all the options. What topping would you like here? What would you like here? What would you like here? And, you know, that's what church looks like in Western culture today. What would you like? Would you like a little more of this, a little less of this? Would you like a little more of that, a little less of that? No. You see, God's word It's just like bread from heaven. This is what you have. Take it, eat from it, all of it, and and feed the soul. Don't just take what you want and leave the rest. Let's go to back to Revelation chapter 22, verse 8. We learn the second lesson, to worship him only. Now, remember, John's here, here getting this angel, message from the angel, hearing from Jesus himself, and look at John's reaction, verse 8. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard, had heard and seen them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who had been showing them to me. But he said to me, do not do it. I'm a fellow servant with you. And with your brothers, the prophets, and all you who keep the words of the book, worship God. Then he, said, then he told me, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, because the time is near. Let him who, is, who does wrong continue to do wrong. Let him who is vile continue to be vile. Let him who does right continue to do right. And let him who is holy continue to be holy. The, the lesson here is clear. Worship is reserved for God alone. Worship is, is due only to God. Um, some people have a little bit of problem knowing exactly what to call a guy like me. Uh, some say, well, are, are you, you, you a pastor? No, well, I'm not really meet the biblical definition of a pastor. Uh, I, I, are you uh uh, are, are you a reverend? No, no, I'm definitely not a reverend because that, that has the word revere in it. Someone who's to be revered. And, and if, if you know me, you know I'm certainly not to be revered. And if you need confirmation of that, simply ask my wife. No created being, either men or angels, are worthy of being revered. Only God and God alone is worthy of our reverence. And, and I know we believe that, but 
you, you see, we, we, you and I, we're, we're, we're designed to worship something. There, there's something within us that's sort of empty and it needs, needs to be filled. And we will put nearly anything in there, even without even knowing it, without even calling it worship. Turn to Luke chapter 4. Jesus himself had this challenge when he was tempted. Verse 5, the devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want. So if you worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus said, It is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Jesus faced down the devil and was offered the ability to to be in charge of all the kingdoms of the world if he'd do but one thing. If he would just slightly bow or just, just bend his knee toward his enemy, he could have it all. Now, that was Jesus. You and I will not likely face that kind of challenge or temptation. We don't have enough faith to withstand such a temptation. But, make no mistake, he'll try to put some idols in, in your heart. Maybe it's the, maybe it's the idol of, of being in a relationship. Maybe it's just having to have friends and, and sacrificing your integrity, sacrificing who you are just to be accepted by your friends, by your friends. Maybe it's money. Maybe you'll work and slave and miss worship and leave your family for just a little more money. Maybe it's sex. Maybe you will warp your mind with pornography. Maybe you will uh, be in uh, sexual relationship with people before you're married. Maybe you will do anything to get the next fleshly pleasure. Could be power, could be image, could be materialism, could be fame, could be any number of those things or a combination of all of those things. May we understand that worship is reserved for God alone. I tell you, the biggest idol that most of us struggle with is the idol of self. Just wanting what we want when we want it and and, and wanting to have it right now and forgetting what God cares about the matter. May we remember that worship is reserved for God alone. Let's finish by going to Revelation chapter 22, verse 12. Behold, I am coming soon. My reward is with me. And I will give to everyone according to what he has done. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes, that they might have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city outside of the dogs, those who practice magic arts and the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. The spirit and the bride, and if you don't know the bride, that's, that's us, say come.
And let him who hears say, come. Whoever is thirsty, let him come. And whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. I, I just want to point out here that the first four words of the script of the passage that I read to you, Jesus said, behold, I am coming soon. Can I be skeptical for just a minute? I know some of you, that's your spiritual gift. Um, soon? Soon? By my count, I think it's been, let me see here, carry the one, roughly 2,000 years since Jesus gave these words to John. Soon? 2,000 years? Soon? 730,000 hours soon? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. You see, we have a much different perception of time than God does because God is eternal. At 2,000 seconds goes by, uh, 2,000, <laughs> 2,000 years goes by in just a couple of seconds. Uh, God, you see, is not slow as we might consider him to be slow. God is patient. The scripture actually tells us uh, why Jesus has not returned yet. If you want to turn with me, it's in Second Peter chapter 3. He speaks of the day when Jesus will return. And Peter writes this. Dear friends, this is now my second letter to you. I've written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the command given by our Lord and Savior through your apostles. First of all, I think he's getting right to us here in 2018. You must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come. Scoffing and following their own evil desires, they will say, where, where is this coming? He has promised. Ever since our fathers died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. But they deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, the heavens existed and the earth was formed out of water and by water. By, those, by these waters, also the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment. And the destruction of ungodly men. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years. And a thousand years is like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you. Not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. The day of the Lord will come. Like a thief, the heavens will disappear and the earth, the elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day... That day 
will bring about the destructions of the heaven by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless and at peace with him. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation. May we not forget that God is not slow, but that he's patient. Oh, we do not know when he will return. And be very skeptical of anyone who says that they do. Jesus said it will come like a thief in the night. You put your head on the pillow, you close your eyes, you enter into slumber, and all of a sudden you awake and hear a noise. You didn't expect it. You weren't ready for it. It is one of the most frightening thoughts and how dreadful it will be as the Lord returns. It will be like a thief in the night. As they lay down in their spiritual sleep and slumber and they close their eyes to, to, to focus on worldly, earthly pleasures, that at that moment, Jesus will return and everything will change. And the question is, are you ready? The promise is not when he will return, but that he will return. And so then we have the responsibility to be ready. You realize today, as we stand here in 2018, December 30th, that we are closer now than we've ever been to that moment, to that day, to that microsecond in time when Jesus returns. May we live in such a way that we are ready. So my final question for you of 2018 is simply this. Are you ready? Are you ready? I mean, it's coming. It's going to happen. The the scriptures, if you believe the, the words are trustworthy and true, the scriptures say the day is coming. My question for you is, are you ready for the day to come? It'll be here sooner than you think. Even if that means it's long after your passing, it will come. And our responsibility then is to be ready. We finish with the last words that Calvin already read for us this morning. He who testifies to these things says, yes, I'm coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all of God's people. Amen. The Bible ends talking about the grace of Jesus. Because God, in his infinite wisdom determined that the last word that we needed to hear was about the grace of Jesus. And this morning, as I finish up the message, I want to tell you about the grace of Jesus. And he lived a perfect life. At his death, as Steve mentioned earlier, he took on your sin and paid for your sin and wiped it clean, paid it in full, so that you could have a relationship with God. That's not because you're great. That's because he's great. And because of what he did, we can have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. How do we do that? Some people say, well, you just have to believe and trust. Some people say, well, if you'll just repeat after me and say this sinner's prayer with me. By the way, neither of those things you'll ever find in Scripture. If you just very clearly, simply look at what Jesus said himself. And let's go to the book of Mark. But he said it in more than one place. Mark chapter 16, verse 16. He says, whoever 
These are his final words, by the way. His last words to the disciples. Go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized, the word there means immersed, dipped, plunged, buried, will be saved. But whoever does not believe will be condemned. My question is, how will you respond to grace? You can begin grace. You can receive grace by simply doing what he said to do. We know what he said. The question is, have you done it? Uh, That's the challenge we leave you with this morning. This morning, if you do not know Jesus, I guess maybe the question would be, if he does not know you, uh, maybe it's time to start. Maybe it's time to step up to home plate and begin the journey with Jesus this morning. If you do not know him, if you are not ready for the final day, there is no better day than today, no better moment than right now, uh, then to come forward and we'll help you put on Christ and to begin that journey with him. If you have any that need or any other need, please come this morning as together we stand and sing.